0: This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Curator Ministries.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Table. Um, By the time that this airs, we will be on Thanksgiving Eve. Can you believe that, Doug? We're already into Thanksgiving. We've got the kids already uh, planning Christmas, making their Christmas lists, and honestly, I'm trying to keep my child, Claire, from putting up all the Christmas decorations. I've allowed her to put a few things up in the... Front yard her inflatables, but (laughs) haven't let her go full hand yet, have we, Doug?
2: I think it's just goes to show the modernization and commercialization of Christmas. Like it used to be, you couldn't do anything Christmas before the end of Thanksgiving. It was like a rule, Mm -hmm. and now like like you know you start seeing they got the peppermint mocha at the Starbucks, they're putting up Christmas decorations. Just too much Christmas. Can't can't do Christmas before Thanksgiving.
1: I disagree. See, I think I think that Thanksgiving can be like a Christmas appetizer. You can indulge a little bit before the main course so i disagree i think a little christmas spirit's okay before thanksgiving sam because thanks christmas is my favorite my very favorite holiday anyway um have you ever seen that picture doug that thomas kincaid picture um of you get the feeling it's probably a thanksgiving there's like this table set beautifully placed settings this beautiful prepared meal with the you know the the perfectly prepared turkey and the you know the the matriarch is at the head of the table about to slice into and everyone's got smiles and they're leaning in and they're so excited in anticipation for this wonderful meal they're about to partake in are you familiar with that picture have you seen it
2: i
0: have
1: okay and so you get this vision like that's like the quintessential american dream right like every that, like that is when we as moms and the food preparers, because I'm I, I make Thanksgiving uh, dinner myself for our household. Um, that's like the vision, like that's that's the goal, right? That's <laughs> that's like the creme de la creme. So everything that we do is in prepare, preparation for our family to have that response, to have that experience on Thanksgiving, right? And I think unfortunately the problem is that that is our vision, that's our goal, but that is it's really far from reality. Um, many of us. Uh, have a really dysfunctional family dynamic um, that looks very, very uh, contrast to that picture. And so when we have that image in our mind of what Thanksgiving or any holiday, for that matter, should and would look like, when we actually walk through the experience of what it actually looks like in our reality, it can be so stark that it can be very frustrating. Do you know what I mean, Doug?
2: Oh, much more like Oswald Christmas uh, from oh, Christmas Griswold. Griswold. That, that's lot, uh, that's what's Oswald most the price. Murderer.
1: I think you mean Griswalt?
2: Griswold. Griswold, <laughs> not Oswald.
1: Not so far different, but, but yes, I said
2: the wrong name, and you still knew what I was talking about.
1: I did. That's actually National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is one of my absolute favorites because I certainly can identify with the dysfunctional family dynamic of, the, of that of that film. I remember. Um, the first time I actually started like sitting in the pocket of this idea of the the, the perfect Thanksgiving, the perfect holiday, and, and, and just like thinking about like as my, from my own childhood, like all of the the things that I would reminisce on, whether it was, you know, my grandmother's potato salad or getting together with all of my cousins or, or whatever. I could honestly even right now could tell you I could if I really sat in the pocket of the memories could still smell the smells and I could still like I remember the emotion, the feeling it would be like to open, you know, my grandmother's front door because at my mom's house, nobody knocked. You just walked in, and she was always there. I don't know how the woman did it, but it doesn't matter what time of day you would ever show up, she was always there, and she was always in the kitchen. Like that was, you were always going to find her there. But to open that up, you know, open that door up, and 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 you know, the first sight that you see is her, and her be so excited to see you, and want to feed you, and you know she was always welcoming like that. If you can remember, Doug, um, she was a very hospitable woman. Um, but I remember the year that she passed away. And how, from that point on, nothing ever looked the same, right? And so I remember thinking about that Thomas Kincaid picture. And in my mind as a child, that's what we achieved. Because as a child and through a child's lens, I didn't understand the levels of, you know, complicated relationships that the adults at that table were experiencing because we were sheltered at that. We just didn't understand that as a kid, right? But as an adult, the lens looks very different. The perception looks very different. And um, I remember as an adult – very much being aware that my grandmother was the glue that was holding this crazy train together (laughs) right like you had all these alpha females and alpha males in this family all these big you know personalities and dynamics and 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 she very much was the glue that held it all together and i remember when she passed away um going back for the first holiday that just so happened to be thanksgiving and i remember um sitting there and I remember the first time I had to walk through the door and she wasn't in the kitchen. Um, though the the meal was the same, the house was the same, it was not the same. And this very sobering moment realizing it was never going to be like that again. And I remember thinking about that picture, that Thomas Kincaid picture and thinking it was almost like someone took an eraser and erased her out of it. And so I started sit, sitting back in the pocket of that And thought okay well what what do you do then when the face and the dynamic of a family that you once had looks so unrecognizable that someone has taken an eraser and they've erased a pivotal part out of it and because they've erased the pivotal part out of it the dynamic has completely changed the culture has completely changed and so what do you do with what's left what do you do with the mess that's left in the picture do you know what i mean um and i remember the the first the first thanksgiving i remember being so over i remember sitting down and being so overwhelmed that i had i had to step outside because i thought i had literally sam had to regulate my breathing um just at the magnitude of the loss that i was feeling um i remember sitting on the front porch and just crying and um missing her and all the things and um, just letting the moment kind of wash over me that it was never going to be the same. And um, it's hard in those moments to be thankful um, because people tell you when you experience loss, um, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle and all things, you know, give, you know, give thanks. I mean, they were giving me all these token things. And I remember as they were spitting these things at me and I was sitting in on her porch experiencing what I was experiencing. I was thinking, that's just crap. (laughs) I mean, I I appreciate the tokens, but that is not my reality. That's not what I'm experiencing on this porch in in, in this moment. What I'm experiencing is extreme loss and extreme grief. And I don't know what to do in this space. I can't be thankful for this. I can't be thankful for her absence. I can't be thankful for the implosion of the thing that once was I can't be thankful for the uncertainty of the future with this family unit and what that will mean to my family and my children I'm not thankful for this God I remember being very angry I was not thankful I was angry (laughs) and God and I had a wrestling match on her front porch Um, and he had me and he he, he, he met me there he was very gracious and um, he showed me what the meaning of that that scripture was that I didn't have to give thanks for all things what he really wanted me to do was find something to be thankful for in all things and I remember as I'm sitting there as he starts Rewinding my memory tape of all the things that I got to experience with this family and with her. And I was thankful that I had those memories. I was thankful that I had those people in my life to share those experiences with. And so I wasn't necessarily thankful for what I was going through. I was certainly not thankful that she was gone. Um, I was thankful that I got to experience a large part of my life with her and I was thankful that I got to experience my children got to experience a large part of their life with her Um, and so I don't know I know that there are people that are probably listening today that are going through probably the same thing you're probably butted up against the very first holiday or maybe it's the 10th or 20th holiday because it certainly never gets any easier where you're without a loved one and you know you think that you're probably the only one feeling that way like how can I you almost almost feel guilty you almost feel guilty in, like life moving forward and enjoying these moments in their absence like well I should be grieving or I should you know I should feel bad or whatever um but I just I just I, I kind of I hold on to that that moment on the front porch with God when he was like I don't really want you to be thankful for this 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 is crap you don't need to be thankful for this but I want you to find something to be you know, something to be thankful for in this and I think that that's what the real meaning of that means, is I think He wants us to have a spirit of thanksgiving with Him all day, every day about anything and everything, right? And I think we can do that. We can find something to be thankful for and in every day. Does that make sense, Doug?
2: A 100%. Yeah. 100%. um, I always try to – I've definitely had that feeling of feeling – guilty yeah like moving on but i always think what would that person want how would they want me to feel how would they want their legacy celebrated um that's how i try to think of it and try to follow through with that
1: yeah i agree with that I, I definitely agree with that but i also think about there are people that it may not even be a death that's kind of changed the picture of the family or the dynamic of the of the picture it could have been a divorce it could be a it could be a an addiction i mean there's lots of things that can kind of change the face of that 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 kind of make people walk on eggshells and change their behavior even in their presence and that's hard i mean it's hard it's hard to manage people and manage emotion in in absence but it is really hard to manage emotion and manage people in their presence does that make sense um and i know it, it's easy for me and, I, and not everyone's wired like me, but you know that this is why I'm a pastor. I am a fixer. So I am the one that wants to pick up the glue and start like patching things together because the, my reality is and God's had me peel this back. Um, my reality is I don't like confrontation. I don't like negative emotion. I don't like to feel negative emotion. I don't like to cry. And Doug knows this. I'm not an overly emotional person. I'm probably kind of harsh and hard around my edges because I really just don't like uncomfortable feelings of any type. And I get really uncomfortable when I have to sit in negative or uncomfortable emotion or feeling. I don't like it. I want it to. I want it to go away. And so, what I find myself in my life is, I will be like, "Oh, oh, there's there there's some anxiety or angst or a, a little bickering over here in this pocket of the family or of of my friends friends group." Well, I don't I don't like how that makes me feel. I don't like how that may change the dynamic of this landscape. I'm going to pick up the glue. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'll put it back together again. And what I that is a dangerous rabbit hole to go down because what I have learned is that I have to – and God's working with me on this – I have to learn to let myself sit with a ne- with negative feelings and that be okay. And I have to let other people sit with their negative feelings and their bad behavior and that be okay. Like sometimes you just have to let things be. And I am – and Doug knows about
2: me. We're probably the exact opposite in that respect.
1: Yes. That's true.
2: We are the exact opposite.
1: That's true. You you do you don't have a hard time letting things be. You you do you kind of you have a better time with just taking your hands off of it and kind of letting things play out the way that they want. Um, I think you're probably more of an emotionally mature person than me.
2: <laughs> I don't know if it's evidence of that.
1: I think I'm an emotionally you know tw- an emotional twelve year old probably. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing, but. It's hard to get to a place, and I and I envy that. I do. I admire that about you, Doug. I, it is hard to get to a place where you you will just allow people and allow things to be, and where you don't feel responsible for fixing everything. Do you know what I mean? Um, I wish I could be more like that. I wish <laughs> I I wish I could unhook. I do. I wish I could unhook from from the from those feelings and from that feeling of responsibility because it it really is a rabbit hole that depletes me it absolutely you know leaves me at a deficit um and there's times where i have and I'll, I'll give an example where i just have to be like okay i have to get off the ride like i have to unhook from this situation and the problem that i create with these people in my life is that i will be their fixer for so long that when i decide to get off the ride and unhook they, they don't understand why and that's not their fault because i have i have been complicit with their behavior do you know what i mean i i have i have allowed myself to be part of it so long that they they take it very personal they don't understand why i am detaching does that make sense
2: it does. And so I would say we're the opposite in that respect, because mm-hmm. I've always found that there's no problem. that won't be better if you just ignore it. Um, <laughs> I'm somewhat kidding. But then all of a sudden. But you're not. What
1: now? <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: But no, no, so I'm the opposite. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I'll get on the ride. And then we've had this discussion about the kids and stuff like you didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden you come in this. Like, OK, you know, I've ignored this problem for a while and given you a chance to fix it yourself. And you have it now. Um, I can be just on it on it right and not right. get off the ride
1: right well the problem is with ignoring things and this is where i have to find my balance i'm, I'm working through that when you ignore something because sometimes it's just easier to ignore it right you know i'll give an example um let's say one of the kids okay here's a good example so i've not always been on the kids about cleaning their room let's say that when they're little make your beds clean your room pick it up blah blah, blah. well I go, you know, slupping up the stairs and it's, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. They're at school and the room's train wrecked. Now, I have an option. I either pick it up myself and not have to live looking at that because it raises my anxiety level or, you know, I can make them come home at three o'clock and like berate them like, you had to wait! All of, you all the, know, all the things and make them do this thing. Well, out of my own laziness, I'll be honest with you because it's easier to ignore things than to deal with it. There's been times where I've been like, I'll just deal. It's just easier for me to do it myself right? You can do it at work. It's just, you know what, instead of giving that task to somebody else, it's just easier to do it myself because I'm gonna have to walk through all the steps of how to do this. I've I've said it myself, by the time that I tell you what to do, I can do it myself. How many times have you heard, have you said that, listeners, how many times have you said that yourself? I could just do it myself. It's easier. Well, the problem is that you go through a system and you know, system of doing that with people, and that behavior transfers. So fast forward, now we have a child that not only doesn't pick up their room and doesn't, you know, keep things orderly. They don't, they don't assign value to it, and so now there's other areas in their life that's out of that's out of order. Whether it's time management or money management, it has now that mentality because I wasn't I wasn't stern enough in making sure they instilled this in them at, at, at this stage is transferred into a bigger problem later on and so i have to i have to like take a step back and like i have to balance that for myself because when i'm counseling people i have a propensity to like be in it with them for years doug and you know this about me you know going around the same mountain over and over and over again they're having the same problems they're complaining about the same things and i'm giving them the same advice and they are not changing anything in their situation And at some point, I have to say, okay, you know, you have to put some you have to put some action behind the prayer because faith without works is dead. Right. So at some point, I have to disconnect myself from this and say, okay, you know, you are making a choice to stay in the in 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 this scenario. Right. Um, I can no longer be present for you in this capacity. I can't listen to this anymore. I can't engage in this anymore because it is emotionally impacting me. Does that make sense? And that's one way, Doug, I do. I do envy you. You you have a really good line um, of demarcation and, and boundary that you're like, okay, I'm only going to give you this much of myself, and you get no more. You know what I mean? And I, I do. I, I admire that about you. There was a, a lady that I counseled several several years ago that fell kind of in that category where she had um, um, had this idea that com- that Thomas Kincaid. Um, picture. She had this idea of what her family could and should be like, um, but her reality through circumstances had changed, and it wasn't that thing. And so, after the break, I'm going to talk to a little bit about how I kind of counseled 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 her through that, but learned more through that experience myself than I think that she had a takeaway. So, anyway, we will be right back.
0: join us as we change the world
1: so right before the break we talked about a lady or started to talk about a lady that I'd counseled for several years Um, she was married and had adult children Um, and when she was first married um, and the kids were younger things were great she would say Um, but through some mistakes but on both on both parties there was a lot of trust issues in the marriage things were just kind of fractured Um, and they were they were just never going to get back to that original state and i can remember for at least a year trying to counsel her and saying listen you know you're in a state of denial you just need to accept that this is your new reality and 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 stop trying to conform and get back to something that's it's never going to be that again. And I remember that she would that she would really kind of question me. She was like, "Well, what about my faith? My faith tells me that God can restore my marriage back to once it where it once was." And I remember we had this match where I was like, "Listen, it is okay to accept the truth about your circumstance. That is different than conceding and having a concession and giving up hope that things will ever change. I can still have faith that God will move in my marriage, but I can accept the fact that it's fractured right now. Right now, we have a, Houston, there is a serious problem. And that's where she was at. She was stuck in this denial where it was like, well, this isn't fair. The way my spouse is treating me isn't fair. The way that my life has turned out isn't fair. And all those things were true, absolutely. But the difference was, is she was stuck there in this sense of denial and she was not moving out of this space into a level of acceptance okay this is it's true it's not fair life is crap right now he's a jerk yep um but this is what i got to deal with now how do i move past this place how do i how do i function at a different level with what i'm dealing with um and And that was that was part of the thing that she and I kind of wrestled out that this difference between acceptance and and concession. and it reminded me of that of that story about me on the porch. I was not in denial about about my about my situation. I fully accepted the fact that 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 the face of my family was forever changed. Um, I accepted the fact that it probably was never going to be be what it once was, though I desired for it so much. And I could have picked up the glue, and I could have tried to be the fixer and try to fix all these holes and all these fractured things to try to recreate something, patchwork something together that resembled something that what it, what it once was, and sit in this you know pity party on the front porch. Well, this isn't fair, you know. You know, life isn't fair, well, and all those things were true. But I remember having that moment with God where He was just like, "Okay, this sucks." But this is your reality this is what you have to do and i'm here with you and i'm going to walk you through this do you want to take do you want to take the steps out of the space and the answer was yes i had to i had to put some some movement behind my prayer i had to put some action Behind the 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 prayer that he that I was having having with him, God deliver me out of this because I didn't want to feel that anymore. That literal emotion because it can feel suffocating, it can feel crushing, it can make you feel like you are drowning. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And lots of people they get stuck in that space whether they have a feeling of rejection from a spouse they feel like rejected from their parents they feel rejected from their siblings they have that dysfunctional thomas kincaid picture where they feel like okay i wasn't invited to thanksgiving meal this year or i'm going to come to a thanksgiving meal but everybody around that table half of them you know talk about me behind my back you fill in the blank we all have our dysfunctional moments right um you can sit in the pocket of you know this isn't fair life isn't fair i can just accept yeah that. That, that That's my reality. That's what I'm working with. Now, now what? What do I do with that? You're smiling and nodding at me. Do you have something to add with that?
2: I always have something to add. <laughs> no, so one of the things is, um, as you're sitting there telling that story is, and you started with saying about how things were and as a kid, mm-hmm. I think things never really were that way. Your perception was this. Yeah, I agree with that. And your, even your perception has changed since then. Yeah. What, what I've always found is someone will I will have that perception in my mind of the Thomas Kincaid meal mm-hmm. and then someone will say, oh yeah, but do you remember how mad your mom got when your sister-in-law was 15 minutes late? And I'm like, no. And then they'll tell the story like she was late and yeah. she brought the same thing that she she was supposed to make, pecan pie, but also made pumpkin pie. <laughs> and you know how my mother was. Like yes. you had a plan and if you deviated from it, she was going to let you oh, know. Oh my gosh, Yeah. And so you forget that we have a tendency, I think, to rem- to like blot out negative things that weren't—not some- to say that the whole thing wasn't wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. But we have a tendency to blot out those negative things that happens. You only remember the positive. Yeah. And so when you're looking back on like, well, you remember it that way, but there was a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. And um, so even our own memories, I think, suffer from kind of remembering things a certain way that weren't even the case even then. Absolutely. So you can't get back to an ideal that never even really existed then.
1: Right. And that's an interesting point that you bring up is this perception versus, you know, reality, right? How you have this room full of people that are experiencing the same reality, but everyone's perception is so different. right? Right. So what I think is interesting about that is you know the Bible says the battle the battleground is in your mind. that that is so true that it really the enemy really is battling for your perception because the way you think directly impacts the way you believe. And it directly impacts the way that that you then kind of function in the in these spaces. Do you know what I mean? Um, and if you can change someone's perspe- perception, then you can change their narrative. I mean, that's what gaslighting is, right? I mean, I, I, I met with a a young man who her, his you know girlfriend cheated on him, and he caught her red handed. And, you know, and and so he confronted her about it and she was like, no, 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 you know, I wasn't doing that. You just don't trust me. Completely flipped the script on this kid and had him believing that he was the problem. And I'm sitting there. He's telling me, you know, I just I just just asked her, you know, you know, what could I do to change? You know what? You know, and I'm like, nothing. She acted like a floozy. There is nothing that you could do to change. You know what I mean? And so I was like, you're you're being gaslit. That's that's what that perception is. People can manipulate your perception and make you um question your reality and your experience like no you didn't really experience it that way that really wasn't what happened this is what happened do you know what i mean it's it's kind of bananas and when you can when if you can get someone to change their perspective you can actually alter their narrative does that make sense and the beauty in that though, there are some scary parts with manipulative people the beauty in that if you can change your own perception you can also alter your own experience like that moment on the front porch where I was like, OK, this is my reality. This sucks. Now what? Now I can either get stuck in that state of poor me, poor me, or I can make something beautiful out of what I seen to be a broken space. Does that make sense? And it's all about how you see it and how you choose to navigate through it. Do you know what I mean?
2: I do, and so you say. How do I best honor this person going forward? I can't recreate what, it, and maybe, it, maybe, it, maybe, it, maybe the best way to honor them in some cases is to try to recreate that Kincaid um, photo to mm-hmm. the best of your ability. But then sometimes the best thing is to create something completely new to honor them.
0: hmm
1: And just acknowledging, like, what do I have control over? What do I have control over, and what am I going to give my um, my my attention to? Right. I can't control if my daughter in law brings the pecan pie and the pumpkin pie and that was my that was my side my side dish. Can't control that. I can't control if, you know, Uncle Eddie talks about politics and ticks off Uncle, you know, Uncle Bob over here. I can't control that. I can't control if, you know, cousin Lucy over there gossips about me the whole time. I can't control I can't control any of those things. Right? The only thing I can control is my response and how much energy that I give to those things. Does that make sense? And that, that's one thing that i'm also trying to to like balance and walk out in my life is is what can i control and what what can't i like i was talking to a lady who um at her job she has you know a lot of people that that as i said just kind of um defame her a little bit i guess you could say publicly will say really negative things about her in a in a in a um in a, a space of, of work you know that her organization isn't great That's crap or all the things and she I remember picking up the phone with her and she was talking about this she was very upset that it was this really nasty thing that they had said about her organization um and about her and this was on a Friday and I was like oh you know that's that's horrible you know don't worry about what you know it doesn't matter what what they what they what they say what they think well we move forward Sunday I call her just check on my know, like, how's your weekend I'm going oh it's horrible she was like, I can't, I can't quit thinking about this. I'm not eating all week. You know, I've, and I was like, I'm gonna stop you right here. I was like, have your, have your kids been home this weekend? Yeah. I'm like, has your husband been home? Yeah. And I'm like, and you've been on the couch. not so will be able to eat all weekend. Yeah. I'm like, did you know that the people who were talking about you haven't thought one more thing about you all weekend, but they, they have consumed yours. And she was like, you're right. I'm like, you cannot control what other people think. You cannot control what other people say. But you can control your response and how much time you give to it. Now get up off the couch, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And that was a gut check for myself that I have to. I have to even do that. Like, okay, don't get in a pity party. Don't get stuck in the. It's you know, poor pitiful me. Um, identify the things that I can control and con- and and control those. Because the reality is, we ch- we try to control things because you know, the more we try to control things, Doug, the more we feel out of control and we only try to control things that make us feel uncomfortable that's the truth um be okay with sitting in an uncomfortable emotion and um get up off the porch man get off the porch and and just like okay this this is what I've got to deal with it's, it's not Thomas Kincaid it may be a dysfunction dysfunction junction but it's mine and I'm going to be I'm going to do the best I can with this space does that make sense It does. I don't know. Anyway, well, I hope everybody who's listening has a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we will see you next time at the
0: table. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click Donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.